0: Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're very, very happy to be joined today by a very special guest. New York Yankees pitching prospect Clark Schmidt. Clark recently was ranked the number two prospect in the Yankees system. Really an incredible rise. He was a highly touted draft prospect out of South Carolina, had Tommy John surgery, still was drafted in the first round, came out, and has progressively built back up, and this year reached the upper levels of the minor leagues with a really successful season. Clark, thank you so much for joining us. When you saw that you were the number two prospect in the Yankees system, after everything you've been through with your surgery, what was that feeling like for you?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, it's a good feeling. Uh, I wouldn't say that, you know, you're just striving to, you know, for these rankings, you obviously, you see them people, everybody posts about them, you, you know, you're around it so much that, you know, you're going to hear about it eventually. So it's not like something I set my goals out to, to be the the top prospect, or, you know, that's not my main, you know, those are my main goals. Um, But when you when you get when you see something like that, you definitely got to appreciate it, especially for you know, from what I've, you know, from the Tommy John and the surgery, and just going from that to to be able to see the ranking, it's definitely a, you. You kind of pat yourself on the back a little bit, but you kind of you can t- take it with a grain of salt. And you can't just like sit on your just rest on it a little bit, and you got to continue to work and and just take it from there. And you know, a lot of that, a lot of those rankings and stuff like that, I definitely I definitely see them obviously, and uh, I, I use it most of most of it as motivation as much as I can. I don't want to just sit there and say, oh, okay, I'm number two prospect or whatever it may be. And kind of you can you can find yourself resting a little bit and making t- taking a little step back if you if you kind of take it with too much grain of salt.
0: Yeah, no one's goal is to just be a top ranked prospect. The goal is to get to the major leagues and stay right. in the major leagues and become a top level major leaguer. Um, obviously, that's a process and, and part of the journey. Given where you are now, just given everything you've gone through, I don't know validation is the right word, but yeah. just knowing that you know, hey, I'm on the right well, track.
1: No, I think validation is perfect. I mean um i kind of know like personally i I hold myself to a high regard uh like every other athlete should or everybody else should you know i whenever i kind of hold myself to a different level of excellence and you know whenever i go out there every time i'm out there uh like i said like i said before i kind of used i I felt personally whenever um after the draft obviously i had the surgery and stuff so it's kind of hard to get like a true ranking i guess you could say when it comes to the rankings and stuff like that um so I knew that this year was, that this past year was going to be a big year for me as far as rankings go and, and recognition goes. And I personally felt like I was, uh, like I, 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 like to pitch with a chip on my shoulder, and I, you know I felt like I was underrated, and I knew that, I knew I, like I said, I knew my work. So I, I knew when I was going out there that what I was capable of doing could be worth, you know, whatever whatever ranking it may be worth. And I knew that if I could go out there and pitch to my level and, and my capabilities, that. I would be, you know, I would be one of the highly touted prospects, and I would, my name would start being shown up a lot more in these prospect rankings. So, like I said, I, like I said, I use these for motivation. And so, when you know, when I saw those, the rankings, whatever it may be, before last year, for instance, and I would use that kind of stuff for motivation because I felt underranked. And now, you know, the recognition is kind of starting to come in slowly. And you know, like I said, I, I'm going to still continue to, to continue to grow as a player and and continue to get better just to move that ranking up even a little more and, and work myself up to the
0: major leagues. I want to go back a couple years. You had gone into 2015, college sophomore at South Carolina, big year ahead. During that year, your brother Clay was diagnosed with cancer, Hodgkin's lymphoma, and then a year later, as you are a junior preparing to go potentially high in the draft, you tear your UCL in late April and have to have Tommy John surgery. So, in under a year, your brother has received a life-threatening diagnosis. You've had to undergo a major surgery that could potentially wreck some of your dreams of going pro and going early in the draft. Where were you at mentally, and, and where was your family at? Because it's two very, very, very different, but very big kind of things that can knock you down in a very short period of time.
1: Yeah. Um, so it, we're I, I'm a I'm a Christian, and my family is we're we're a very faith filled family. Um, and it, it was it was really trying times, especially you know when. Not so much, you know, the surgery is a big deal and you're on the verge of making a lot of money and, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're getting all the recognition and you think your, your life is going to go one way. And then you obviously receive the news and, and that, that was tragic. But, you know, like you said, the life threatening diagnosis, that's just like next level, you know, it kind of puts everything in perspective. Um, going through that process with my brother, it was, uh, you know, it was obviously scary times. You don't really know. Nobody really knew about the cancer process. We didn't really know about the you know the treatments and it was just a lot of unknowns especially for a 21 year old kid who was a college athlete and you just really didn't know what was what was going to happen and you didn't know what the treatments were like and how he was going to respond to them and you wouldn't know what his future was like whether he was going to be able to play baseball again or or let alone live again so it was you know like I said it was trying times and it really tests your faith and thankfully I, you know, we have a, like a support system around us, not alone our family, but our friends. And, um, you know, we relied a lot of, a lot of, a lot on our faith and a lot of our, our friends, they helped out so much. And it was, it was something that we, we were able to get through together as a family. And then, you know, with the surgery, it was just, it felt like it was another thing added on top of another, um, especially in the amidst the season that I was having that year. It was, I was having a really good year that year. And, it was it was obviously I think it was a month before the draft it happened and it was just it was really tragic and um thankfully you know it, it was a lot of these things that you know it kind of tests your faith and it's some of these things that you, you can't control and you got to kind of per- persevere through and push through and it just adds to that you know it just makes that story that much sweeter when when it's all said and done just to, to know that you've been through that and to make it out the other end on on the good side is it makes everything so much sweeter and so we're so much thankful for all this for all these you know all the adversity that we've been through, it just adds, adds adds to it in
0: the end. Yeah, your brother in particular, obviously, you know, Tommy John, as you mentioned, it's something that it really affects your career, and it's it's absolutely something that is difficult, but cancer is just a whole different level of things. Right, yeah. you know, and also, your brother going through it, constant surgeries, the constant waiting, the constant not knowing what's going to happen next, you mentioned your faith really keeping you through it, but... Were you able to focus on the baseball field while this was happening? Because obviously, this is so much bigger than baseball.
1: Yeah, um, it was really, really hard. Like you said, it, comparing Tommy John to cancer is apples and oranges. I mean, you—it's—it's just—it's next level stuff. You know, it really kind of puts, like I said, it puts things in perspective, and it kind of just whatever you have going on the field, whether if you were pitching at the time, if you're not pitching good at other time, if you're if you're going through injuries or whatever it is, it, it, it just puts it all on the back burner. And you know my main focus was at, I think at the time I think he got diagnosed in around the June July time frame, which was I was going through summer ball, the season just ended and, um, and we just finished. I think it was Super Regionals that year, and then he got the diagnosis. And I was planning on going to uh, the Cape Cod League um, that year, and I ended up you know I, I surpassed it so I could stay home with him and and be around the, be around him as much as I could with the treatments and stuff, and just to have that you know that shoulder to lean on for him. And so he could, you know, he could, he could bounce things off of me. I, I just wanted to be—I didn't really know how to handle it. You don't know how to handle it as a brother, or as a family member. The, the only thing you know how to do is just be around him as much as you can, and, and just be there for support. And that's what I was going to do. Um, so yeah, it, it was like very few times in my life. Well, there are times when I'm not thinking about baseball throughout the day, and those those few months, I don't think I, I rarely thought about baseball. You know, he was my main thought process. Um, as as he was the rest of the families and our friends and you know we just we just wanted to make sure he was our main focus and, and getting him back healthy.
0: September 2015, he gets the port removed, has his final day of radiation. Fresh off of that, he immediately packs up his truck, drives back to Clemson where he was a player on the baseball team. It was all on the field that afternoon, the final day of his radiation treatment. Um, right. Just how much of an inspiration was he for you during all this to bounce back like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I can't really put it into words how, how much he's, you know, how much that whole process in general inspired me. I think that, you know, just watching it, being a part of it, um, it, it, it inspires you. And when I was going through my, my surgery and my process, I think that's another thing that, you know, it, it, it kind of humbled me and it was like, okay, I'm having elbow surgery. My brother beat cancer and he, he went right back on the field and he, he competed and, and did his thing. So I don't need to be you know, it's kinda minute in comparison to what I'm going through right now. So I I think it kinda helped me handle my rehab process and my mentality going into my Tommy John and and with it affecting my draft my draft process and everything else, you know, it 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 kinda it changed my mindset completely just to know that my brother, you know, he went through the cancer process and he was able to beat this and then the next day go out and play baseball. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm able to beat this 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 rehab and, and, and give it my all and then get back out there on the field.
0: You have your Tommy John surgery that April. You were really having a, an all-American type of season. Uh, you were already considered a potential first-rounder going into that. When you found out the UCL was torn, you had to have Tommy John surgery or was going to miss, you know, the next year, year and a half. What was your thought process at that time? What were you thinking?
1: Yeah, so in the moment, it's it's kind of hard to just like take a step back, especially when you're you know when you're in the midst of the season, when people are throwing all these numbers at you, you're you're projected to go and you know I've, I've, whatever it may be, people are saying all these millions of dollars and being drafted within the top ten picks and stuff like that. and it kind of you kind of lose your perspective of it when you're in the midst of it. and when when I first found out I had to have the surgery, it was just like, it just took me, you know, it just took all the air out of me. You, you, you think, Oh my gosh, like what am I going to do with my career? Like, am I going to come back to college? Am I going to forego the draft? Am I going to go back for another year? So you don't know, really know what you're going to do. And then once you kind of get your bearings under you and you, you get to sit back and you get your perspective of it and you you talk to your your agents, whatever it may be, you talk to your family, your friends and your teammates, and then you kind of, you kind of settle down and just the initial shock has kind of gone away. Um, after the surgery and everything, it's just like, all right, I'm not really worried about any of that. I'm just going to focus on my what I can control, which was I, the only thing I could control was my rehab and how I was going to handle it mentally and physically. And so I was just like, I'm just going to ha- tackle this head on and do my do my rehab day in and day out as hard as I can to make sure I come back stronger. Because I, I really wasn't worried. I mean, I, at first you were worried when you fi- find out you have Tommy John, but I knew that – the way I handle things and the way my work ethic is, I knew that I was going to come back stronger. I really wasn't worried too much about how I would come back post-surgery. Uh, at the time, cause it was a month away from the draft. That was one of my only worries, really, was, you know, what's going to happen? What's what's my future like? Because anything can happen. And thankfully, I got picked up by such an amazing organization that, you know, they believed in me and they showed they showed faith in me and that they, they showed that they knew, even with the surgery, how good I could be. And so I'm forever thankful to be in probably the best organization in baseball as far as you know the rehab process and stuff like that goes. So I couldn't have lucked out any any better. It was it was honestly a blessing in disguise for me.
0: Yeah, when did the Yankees notify you that hey, we're still on you, you're not dropping off our radar just because you had the surgery?
1: Um, honestly, that whole process was just kind of weird. I mean, it was what it we obviously kept in talks with teams, um, but it really wasn't like the Yankees. I specifically remember one day, I think it was like two days before the draft. I was in the airport. I was flying somewhere with the family and the Yankees area scout called me, uh, Billy Godwin, and he was like, you know, he was just checking up on me. And it it really was like a casual conversation. He was just like, hey, how are you doing? You know, hopefully we get your name. You know, hopefully we get a chance at you, blah, 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 you know, just small talk. Uh, And that was really the only talk I had before the Yankees, right before the draft. And then, you know, in the, the, the day of the draft and the talks, before, you know, before the draft with, with my, you know, all the representation, everybody was like, Oh, you know, their name kind of got brought up a little bit more and then it, it just ended up working out. They, they took that shot on me. Um, and it was just, you know, like I said, it was a blessing to those guys to be in such an organization. For me, it's helped me grow so much to be able to be in an organization that's so analytical and so advanced in their technology and in their rehab, uh, you know, not alone in the rehab, but you know, beyond that, as far as pitching goes and stuff like that, it's I've learned so much already. And, you know, I'm so thankful to be in, a, in such a great organization.
0: Did you have a sense from your agent's representation that you would still be taken in the first round, or were you nervous going into draft day?
1: Um, I, yeah, I, I, we, we kind of knew that we were going to at least, if it wasn't the the middle to the beginning of the first round, I, I kind of had a feeling, or we knew that there was a good, it was a good good matter that I was going to get picked in the, the back end of the first round, if not the back end, definitely the supplemental round. Um, just because there was a, there was a bunch of teams that were kind of interested in that back end of that first round, and so we knew we not, not not necessarily a safety blanket, but we knew that you know there was enough teams interested in the first round that my name was probably going to be called.
0: The Yankees pick you, still get that first round selection, 16th overall as well. It wasn't like it was at the back of the first round. You sign with the Yankees, you show up, you still have a full year of rehab ahead of you. Right. right. You mentioned, you know, all the analytics, the medical treatment that they have for the Yankees is top notch. What was the process like for you? Because obviously you're a competitor. You want to get back out on the field and it's tough.
1: Yeah. So that was probably the toughest, like, probably one of the toughest parts for me during the rehab process was like the initial, after I get drafted, you know, I don't. I You see everyone else get drafted, and they're going out to the GCO or whatever it may be, and they're throwing these live ABs, and they're going right to the field. You know. And then the next year, they're, they have their kind of feel for what they're going to do, whether they're starting in high A or whatever it may be. And that wasn't the case for me. I knew I had a whole other year of rehab. Um, You rehab. Know, I just one, min- one month into my rehab, so I knew I had you know at least 12 months left. Um, so it was really, really tough to kind of like put that competitiveness on the back burner For on the field, but you know what I did was I just used it kind of as fuel like in my rehab process I kind of try to keep my head down keep my head out of the you know I try to not pay too much attention to all the like the prospect rankings and all that stuff because like I said I'm a competitive dude, so a lot of that stuff motivates me and puts a a Added chip on my shoulder so for me I kind of had to put it on the back burner and just I'm gonna use that fuel to motivate me during this rehab to keep my head down To eat the right things put the right fuel in my body to To put the right to put the right work in in the weight room, uh, into the rehab process, into everything, and I wanted to, to come back 100. percent And I knew that I was going to come back, you know, better than I was before, it, physically and mentally.
0: You spend all of 2017 rehabbing. 2018 comes around, and you do get out to pitch a little bit. Uh, you make a couple of starts in the GCL. You go out, and you make two starts with Staten Island in the New York Penn League were you starting to feel like your stuff was still coming back at that point had it come back where did you feel like you were once you were able to pitch in live games again yeah it definitely was you know still coming
1: back at the time i remember going through the live bp process and it's like that's probably the hardest part physically um during the rehab it's just like you know it's just a grind you're throwing two two live abs pretty much a week and it's just it's tough you're not really your your shoulder's not caught up to with your elbow and because your elbow, you know, it's a new elbow in there. I mean, the ligament and everything, everything's healthy in there. It's just you've done all this shoulder work and you know the strengthening and stuff, and it's just everything's not caught up. You're not really in sync. Your body's not in sync. So that was the toughest part for me. Like mechanically, I didn't feel the best. My arm was my arm was quick. I was still. I, I mean, I had good below and stuff like that. I was still throwing in the mid nineties, but it was just like as far as going out there and being able to pitch and produce the results I want to on a consistent basis. It wasn't like you're out there just like you were pre-surgery and you felt as comfortable as, as ever. So it was that was definitely an adjustment process that initial like first few months out of out, like once the reins are kind of released off you and you're and you're kind of free to free to throw and do whatever you want to do.
0: 2019 comes around, you've had those few starts under your belt, rehab process is done. What were your thoughts coming into the year? Just your excitement level. I mean, where where were you at mentally and physically, knowing, hey, I can actually like go out and have a full year this year?
1: Right. Yeah. I was. You know, I was pumped because that that was kind of like this past year was like my, I guess you could say my my grand opening for like just being healthy and being able to go out there on a consistent basis, week in and week out, get my innings, go out there and and prepare my body to go out there and start every week. That was, you know, so I was mentally and physically, I was so excited and healthy. Um, I knew that this year was a year that it was kind of my first real taste of minor league baseball and being able to show my stuff. So for me, like once I got drafted, like I said, I never got to the Yankees knew what they got when they got me. You know, they took that shot on me. They knew they knew what they were getting. But they didn't really like, you know. They didn't really get to see me like, all the the whole organization as a whole. They never got to see me as a whole pitch in the minor league, so they didn't know what they were really getting. So for me, I was like, I, I want to put on, you know, not to put on a show, but you know, I want to go out there and I want to perform at, at a high level and show these guys that, you know, what what they got was what they expected. If not, you know, you know, they they get a little bit more than what they expected, and I wanted to prove people wrong and, and show that the team who took me in the first round, that you know, they weren't. They weren't taking a, a flyer. It was it was more of a definite pick than people think. And you know, I, I had faith in my abilities, and I had faith in that I was going to be able to come back 100%, and if not better than I was,
0: you know, come back stronger. They skip you over low Class A Charleston, send you directly to high Class A Tampa. Your first start facing Casey Myers, the number one overall pick. You throw five no-hit innings, no walks, nine strikeouts. What was that like for you? Because again, you've worked for that, and you're confident in your ability, but to go out and have the stuff play on a stage like that—your first start back—what was that like?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was—it was really special for me, um, especially because I knew, you know, we had a lot—we had a lot of people in town. Obviously, it was the first game of the season. Uh, a lot of, you know, my my whole family was there. It was against the Tigers organization, who my brother was with at the time. Um, there was just a bunch of, you know, factors that were, that were piling into it. It was just, you know, it was such a blessing to go out there and be able to have that start. I felt so good. Like my body felt so good. Mentally, I was in the right place. Um, so just to have it all kind of come to fruition and be able to go out there and have my first, like, I guess you could say official start of the year, my official, you know, opening since coming off the surgery and my first full start going at least five innings. Uh, like I said, you, you couldn't, it couldn't
0: have gone any better having this year no restrictions you did spend a little bit of time on the DL, but for the most part uh you know pitched the bulk of the season what were some of the biggest developments for you this year whether in terms of different pitch development or different arm slots command things what would you say were the biggest ways you grew as a pitcher this year
1: yeah so early on in the season it was like you know I've always been a command guy who can throw strikes with you know all my pitches and so it was kind of it was a grind early on the season I was walking more guys than you know I, I wanted to and I guess it was just coming off – my timing really wasn't great Uh, mechanically. There were some things that weren't in sync. I was kind of, like, jumping forward too much, not staying back as much as I would like to and kind of pulling off the ball, which led to a lot more walks than I would like to have. Um, But then once I kind of got settled down and kind of got comfortable and got got back in my routine week in and week out, there was, you know, a lot of developments for my two-seam. That was one of the biggest things I developed this year, being able to command that, you know, inside, to righties, you know, being able to get it off the off the plate and back on to, to righties away and being able to, you know, bring it off the front hip to a lefty. That was one of the biggest pitches I wanted to to be able to get because I knew um, if I could work that two-seam and command it like I wanted to and have that fastball command, it was going to be a good pitch for me. And the biggest thing for me also was that the changeup. Um, I never – so, like, in college, I never really was a big changeup guy. I was always more of a breaking ball guy. And towards the end of my college career, I started developing the changeup and it got better and better. And then throughout the rehab, Tommy John rehab process, you throw so many fastball changeups. you're not really throwing a lot of breaking balls. My change-up developed so much. And now it got to the point this year where I was getting so many swing and misses on it. And it, it got to the point where there was a lot of starts where it was it was my main go-to pitch. And so for me to be able to come that far with my changeup up in, in that short of time, was it was very special to me. Because um, I knew how big of a pitch that is especially for a guy who throws a lot of sinkers and kind of has a lot of late Life on the, the fastball going into a righty to be able to tunnel that off a, a changeup is big for me And also things I wanted to work on like analytically were kind of getting my spin rate and my spin axis and the efficiency of my seam a lot better and I made some big leaps with that so I can get Because um, I've always been a guy who can throw pretty hard, but I never got a ton of swinging misses up in the zone And a lot of that was due to my efficient efficiency on my fastball so to be able to get that more efficient and get the axis and the tilt on that right and all the wrist positions and stuff like that that goes into that, to get that a lot better, to, to be able to get those swing and misses at the top half the zone was big for me.
0: Yeah, you mentioned making adjustments to get those swings and misses, get that spin rate, get that spin axis. Was it more focused on grip changes, you know, where you're releasing on your fingers? How exactly did you make the changes that were recommended once you saw what was going on?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of hard to explain, but for me, my... My wrist position on my four seam was a little bit lower than the ideal wrist position. So when when I was coming through the zone, my fingers were not necessarily on top of ball, top, on top of the ball. The tilt was a little bit off. So whenever I would throw it, and it would the ball would roll off my fingers. It would come off almost like a two seam, and It would have that that depth where it would run more than I want. It would kind of like run away instead of staying like a true spin. It would have that true backspin to where it could stay efficient in the zone, and the hitter, you know, when the hitter sees that four seam and they see the efficient, they see an efficient fastball, they're swinging under it because they think it's gonna uh, come a little bit under, and it doesn't have the depth that they expect. But when when I was throwing my fastball, when it had about 85% efficiency on it, it would have whatever the hitter was kind of seeing. That's what it was kind of true to what they were guessing. They, they guess the ball would would dip a little bit lower in the zone because it wasn't as efficient, it wouldn't stay up in the zone. And so once I figured that out and figured out the right, correct wrist position coming through the zone, it, it kind of changed my my efficiencies a lot better. And I, I was getting a lot more swing and misses. And I also shortened up my arm action a little bit. It was a little less long in the back. So I wouldn't have as less, you know, my arm had a lot more torque on it and it was, it was a lot more healthier for my shoulder and my elbow. Um, my mechanics felt a lot more in sync because I, you know, everything was on time because I sped my arm up instead of having that long draggy arm action in the back. So everything was more efficient.
0: In terms of building up innings you mentioned you're figuring out you know different things to give your pitches different characteristics you're changing up your arm action a big part of this is durability again. It's your first full season back from tommy john surgery how did you kind of regulate that in terms of being efficient with your pitches but also knowing that maybe some days you're not going to go as deep as you want what was that process like
1: yeah so in the beginning of the year i had uh it was probably for the i would say up until all-star break i had a five inning limit, so I knew all my starts, um, you know, they were going to stop at five innings, so for me, it was during that process, I knew it was more like just getting, building my innings up, getting my feet under me, going out there and trying to be consistent with all my pitches um, until later innings, you know, and then once I, they kind of took those reins off me, and I was free to go as far as deep as I wanted to in games, and I was starting to go into the seventh and eighth inning towards the second half of the season, that, then it was like, okay, now it's trying to learn how to get, pitch better in the later half of the innings, especially because the game definitely changes from the seventh inning on. You know, outs are a lot bigger. Uh, the hitters, definitely their approaches change. So for me to get in those competitive innings in the seventh and eighth inning and get, be able to get back out there, that's, that's stuff I love, to be able to go late in games um, and to be a guy who can eat innings. And so for me, um, to be able to go back out there in the seventh and eighth inning and, and be able to get those big outs was huge for me. And so... Uh, once I finally got to do that in the second half, it was it was a lot of fun. And um, like I said, one of my goals going into this off, that that season was was to reach 100 innings, and you know I ended up doing that with the playoffs in Trenton. Uh, and I finished off with more than 100 innings coming off the Tommy John. So that was one of my biggest goals coming into that year, and I ended up accomplishing it.
0: Yeah, not only did you just you know get to double-A, Trenton, but you finished strong there. Uh, your second start there, six and two-thirds scoreless innings, no walks, nine strikeouts. Second start there, seven scoreless innings, three hits, no walks, five strikeouts. Seeing the success of play at the upper levels as quick as it did what was that feeling like for you and was it a sense of okay I'm I'm back and then again you followed up with it in the postseason as well yeah it was um
1: I wouldn't necessarily say I'm back I kind of knew you know like I'm a confident guy and I'm confident in my ability so I knew what I was capable of doing and once I was kind of getting those consistent starts in going deep in games and, and feeling really good I was feeling really healthy at the time um, and so you know to be able to go out there and string those good starts together, it was like okay, yeah, it was not a sense of I'm back, but it was like all right, I'm here. Like you can see what I'm doing. Like I'm capable of doing this. And it and it is you know you kind of pat yourself on the back. It's like okay, well you always have these question marks. Everybody's like the biggest, the hardest leap is from high A to double A, and you know they're like that's the biggest adjustment period. And so I was like all right, well you know I'm going to use that and, and kind of show these guys that I can I can I'm able to get out at the upper levels. And do it on a consistent basis and so for me to go out there and put out those numbers and 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 get out and during those starts like a like you were saying those stat lines it was it was a lot of fun and for me to be able to show not only myself but others that i can do it it was uh it was a lot of fun
0: now i did notice you did miss a month from the end of may through the end of june what happened there uh so the first i had i guess you could say technically
1: i had two dl stints the first DL stint was, um, I, don't, I don't remember, I think it might have been in April or something. It was actually like an infection I got in one of the locker rooms in the Florida State League. It was like a skin infection. Um, so that, like, I was completely healthy at the time. They just wanted me to miss a start because, you know, I, I couldn't pitch at the time. So that was one of my DL stints. And then the this, this second one, I had a little, uh, like, some forearm inflammation. Um, it was just, like, kind of minor stuff that was, like, That you kind of things like that pop up a little bit after you know especially when you're throwing a lot of innings and I I think at the time I had like 60 innings and so for me there was just a little inflammation and it led to me missing a few weeks and and they wanted to take it a little slow especially you're a little hypersensitive after Tommy John so it um you kind of pay attention a little bit more to the the small things that pop up after starts and so they wanted to give me a little rest and after that it was um I was kind of cut loose and been good to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, was that a little scary? You're coming off a of Tommy John, you're feeling good, and all of a sudden, form inflammation that can sometimes, you know, be symptoms of a bigger problem. Was it scary?
1: Yeah, it was. I, I mean, thank, so where it was at on my forearm, it wasn't like around the scar or wherever it was coming from. It was around on my opposite side of my forearm, so it was a, it was really weird. It was a real like a kind of a funky thing. Um, so as far as like as the the ucl goes i wasn't too concerned about that because i kind of you know i felt like it wasn't something that was structural it felt like it was kind of like a muscular thing and thankfully you know it was and so it it definitely is scary at the time whenever you have coming off the surgery you, you freak out about every little thing um just because you know you've been through the rehab process and you just get healthy and you're like oh my gosh i have to do this thing again um so yeah i was thankful that you know it was all good and i got the green light to go back out there and pitch
0: and once you got the green light, you clearly uh, made the most of it, getting up to Double A, pitching well through the Eastern League playoffs, and rising up on the prospect list. Now, as you move into twenty twenty, what are your goals for the upcoming season?
1: Yeah, so you no, know, the main goal, obviously, for me is to to be a major leaguer this this upcoming year. I want to make it to I want to make it to the big level, and you know, I want to I want to not only make it, I want to be, be a contributor there. I feel like you know, you know, I'm capable. What I'm capable of, I trust my abilities, and, and trust you know my work ethic and the, the work that I put on off the field is going to show on the field. Um, you know, so I want to be able to go out there and, and be a contributor in New York, and and be a, and be able to get big outs and big situations. I, I love pitching in those situations in front of the bright lights and the big stadiums and stuff like that. So that's the kind of stuff I like to to thrive off of, and so that's my number one goal is to be a contributor at the major league level this upcoming year and, and another thing is just to be healthy you know i want to have continue to get a lot of innings and continue to eat innings and show these guys that i can i can throw a lot of innings so for me i want to have another 100 100 plus inning season um be able to start at the higher levels of, and, and, and have a good spring training and show these guys what i'm capable of and then be a major contributor at the major league level well
0: it's certainly something a lot of fans in new york would love to see and obviously uh you know after, after everything you've been through it'd be a tremendous accomplishment and. We look forward to seeing what the future holds. Clark, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We appreciate you jumping on with us.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Once again, that was Clark Schmidt, the Yankees' right-handed pitching prospect, ranked number two in their system. and. Great to have him on. Obviously, an incredible story, and we really appreciate him taking the time to join us. This has been another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. It's always a joy to do these, and we look forward to uh, continuing to churn more of them out. Stay tuned. We have another big prospect podcast coming up, as well as top 10 prospects podcasts for the rest of baseball. All of the NLEs are now posted. Three of the five ALEs are posted, and more on the way. Once again, for Clark Schmidt, I'm Kyle Glazer. This has been another edition of the Baseball America Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.